welcome back everyone. Welcome back to Doggy Be Good. And we're going to bring you another podcast today. Once again, we have... I'm Mike DeMarco. And myself, Dennis Lee. And this time we're going to talk about a topic regarding when do I know I need a trainer? This is a topic that has come up before by some of the people who sent in requests. So let's go over our topic here. When do I know I actually need a trainer? Um, Michael, we'll start with you. And um, since you work in this field and you do get requests, so what happens? How do people get to you to uh, ask for your your services and your help then? How do they know well, they need a trainer? Let's remember the difference between trainers and behaviorists as well. Let's talk about that real quick because a lot of times people who are having issues with their dog or issues with behavior, um, they'll, they'll call up a trainer. You know, they'll go to your basic Petco or something like that. That's the trainers are not taught to deal with animal behavioral issues per se. Um, so the difference between a trainer and a behavioral behaviorist is a trainer can teach your dog sit, stay, come down, you know, things like that. Helpful, very helpful stuff. But when it comes to certain behaviors that a dog is displaying, such as aggression, food aggression, um, you know, extreme shyness or uh, fear aggression, stuff like that, you really want to make sure that the person that you find to help you deal with that is a behaviorist, someone who's trained in how to diagnose the situation, where that behavior is stemming from, and is able to put together an evasive plan that's going to really, you know, cater to the dog's need to, to really redirect that behavior into a more positive behavior. And unless you know how to figure out where that behavior is coming from, because it, 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 listen, you see a dog's aggression problem. It could be from anything. It could be over, it could be an overly dominant, not dominant dog. It could be from, you know, uh, a terrible experience in the past that the dog had. It could be fear. It could be a million different things. So you really need to know why that dog is acting like that. And that's when you'll be able to really effectively come up with a plan on how to change that dog's behavior. Okay, Michael, that was a great description. Now, my next question here is, Michael, can you give us an instance, a notable instance where you were called in as a behaviorist to deal with a particular notable problem? Like any insights you may have regarding that? Yeah, um, you know, there's different cases that we would be called on. Uh, we, we do specialize in a lot of de-aggression cases. Um, aggression is one of the most serious you know, behaviors that you can deal with with a dog, especially when it comes to human aggression. Um, you so, mean a dog being aggressive against a person? Is exactly. That, got yeah, it. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, you know, human aggression, is it's dangerous because it, it puts people in danger and it also jeopardizes the dog's life as well because if the dog bites somebody mm. we all know how that goes right. so you know we get called in on cases like that you know uh, quite often mm. um and we'll go in and again we'll evaluate the dog's behavior we'll do a full behavior analysis on the dog and we'll try and figure out where this behavior is stemming from and then we try to come up with a a, a a plan that the dog will understand we, we teach the dogs in a way that they understand um, and that's how we usually get the best results. I could never give anybody a, uh, you know, unless it's like a basic training, like, you know, a puppy kindergarten or something like that. 
But people often ask me on the phone, you know, how much will it cost? How long will it take? And I always tell, I, I can't even begin to tell you until I absolutely meet the dog. Because I need to know exactly what I'm dealing with, where the behavior is stemming from, and I, I, that's how I'll know how long it'll take, how much it'll cost, you know, and what needs to be done to correct this dog's behavior. And, and it's so important that, you know, as a behaviorist that you do see the dog before you tell the client what you can and can't do. I mean, listen, some cases are going to be much harder than other cases. And, you know, the clients never really give you the full picture of what's going on. No one ever wants to think that they right. have Cujo. Right, right. You know, they don't want to admit that, right? Right. Everybody wants to think, <laughs> well, my dog is a little bit of a problem. And then you wind up going to the house and the dog wants to savagely destroy you. Um, so, you know, it's very important that we go and see the dog first. But we do get called in on a lot of de-aggression cases. We've done work for the New York City Department of Health. Uh, we've also testified in court on animal behavior. Wow. Uh, we're, we're noted as expert witness testimony on animal behavior. Mm-hmm. So when there are bite cases, we'll go in and we'll... We'll figure out what happened, you know, what, what basically, why the dog did what he did. And uh, at that point, we can try and, you know, repair and fix the situation and present that to a court. And, uh, you know, we've been very successful with that. Other cases where you're going to be called in with just basic training knowledge is going to be where, like I said, puppy kindergarten. You know, we do a lot of puppy kindergarten. Um, and that's when we go in, when people, especially people with new, new dog owners who have new puppies, they need help. You know, because the puppies, everybody think are so cute and loving, and they are. But man, are they a pain in the, you know what? So we'll go in and we'll we'll set up a full training program for them, um, and we'll set you know a daily day to day exercises to do, and they start to get results almost immediately. And uh, that's what we do for you know our training portions of it. So there's different different aspects of it. You know, there's training, and then there's behavioral work. Michael, we got an interesting question from Dave from Massachusetts, and the question is, have you, as the trainer or behaviorist, ever been bitten yourself? In fact, what was one of the worst cases you had regarding perhaps you possibly being bitten? <laughs> what can you say to that, Michael? Okay. Well, it's, it's a common question I get asked a lot, but um, I think one of the worst bite cases I had, I was actually at a woman's house, and again... The owner was in denial, and she had this German shepherd who was sitting on a chair next to me. I was sitting on a chair. She was sitting on a chair. I was going through the whole, you know, what we can do for her, how we can offer This dog was sitting on a chair staring at me, and I said to her, I said, listen, I said, you know, is, is his aggression levels, at, at, you know, at, at a, dangerous, a dangerous rate? And she said, no, no, he's, you know, he's just, he's very protective of the house. Well, I went to hand her, you know, her evaluation paper and this dog jumped off the chair, grabbed me by the top of my head and pulled me to the ground and started shaking me. And uh, all I can remember, all I can remember is this dog's going to either break my neck or he's going to literally rip my head off. And uh, she was standing there screaming. She didn't do anything. (laughs) So I was able, I had to reach up. I grabbed the dog by his ears and I yanked his head to the ground Mm. And uh, I, at that time, he, he released my head. Okay. And uh, I was bleeding like crazy. And um, I just said to the wife, I said, grab, uh, grab, your, grab your leash quickly and leash him up and right. you know, pull him away from me. Yeah. So she did that. And uh, she, you know, at that point, I said, I said like, you got to take me to the hospital because I literally, oh, this whole wow. part of my head was uh, pretty much ripped open. I'm 
pointing to like above my eye, right? You know, this my skull. And uh, I went to the hospital, and on the way there, she says to me, "I'm so sorry." She says he has an aggression problem, but the last trainer that came didn't want to work with him because of it, and the trainer before that wanted to charge me a fortune. She said, so I was, you know, just trying to ho- hoping that he would behave so that I, I just couldn't believe it. I, w- I, I was listening to her tell me this and I, I'm sitting there with my head in my hand, bleeding, bleeding out. And I'm, uh, but, but we went back and we did fix that dog. Oh my gosh. We did fix that dog. So you did take the case. It took me oh about three weeks gosh. to go back to her house, but I had to wait cause I had to get stitches in my head and, um, we went back and we were able to we were able to fix that dog, and uh, it turns out that the the aggression was just it was an oh it was only two and eight, two years old. Oh, really? He young. was just really over dominant. I mean, he had the run of the house. Oh, okay. And he was just extremely extremely dominant. And when a dog gets extremely dominant like that, you know, when people come over, they're not coming to your house; they're coming to your dog's house. Right. And that's when it becomes a very big problem. And, you know, d- different breeds handle it differently. Shepherds are a, a very, they're a very dominant breed. Okay. Um, great dogs, right. excellent working dogs. And when taught to be, you know, a family dog, they're phenomenal dogs. They really are. But, you know, much like other breeds, they have to be taught their place in the home. And that's where behaviorists come in. Okay. We'll teach your dog a place in the home. It will teach them the pack formation of your house. This way you don't run into these problems. Um, the dogs I've been bit by the most are chihuahuas. I, I've been bit <laughs> by about, so many chihuahuas. It's about to say. And what it's about usually the because they have, you know, they'll, they'll start to become overly dominant. And because they're so little, people don't really pay attention to it. They think, oh, it's cute. Look at him. He's getting his crowd. But it's not because, you know, they, they become very, very dominant as well. And then from that, you're going to start getting, getting them behavior, you know, the, the barking, nonstop barking behavior and the nipping and, you know, can turn into destruction or, you know, defecating and urinating all over the house. So, you know, it, it, aggression and dominance is, is a behavior that needs to be dealt with right away. How long did it actually take you to resolve that particular case? Was it? Weeks? The shepherd? Three yeah. weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Three weeks. Okay. Three weeks and we had that boy under control. Was this daily? Well, what I do again is I go in and I set up a full training program. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's that's why we don't do boarding train. A lot of people ask us, do you do boarding train? And obviously we have the facility to do it, but I don't. Okay. Because I feel that, yeah, I've been doing this a long time, Dennis, as you know. Yeah. And I feel that when I train a dog, if I train that dog, that dog's going to do what I tell him to do. But that doesn't mean he's going to come home and do what you tell him to do. However, if I train that dog in his own environment and I teach his owners how to train that dog, well, then the rules are not coming from me. They're coming from the owners, which puts them at a higher status on the dominance level and makes the dog understand that, hey, they're the alphas. They're in charge. These rules are coming from them. This is their house, their rules. And if I want to be a good dog and a good pack mate, then I have to follow the rules of the alpha. And that's why I don't do, you know, board and, 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 and train. I do it at your house. And, you know, I'll set, I set it up with such a bit of training program. But remember, training is only as important to the dog right. as it is to you. Right. If you slack off on it and you just do it once in a while and you don't follow the program, it's not going to work. Right. It's not going to work. It's, a, it's, it's something you have to really be dedicated to. Teaching an animal is is... 
you know, it can be easy, but it, it takes dedication. It takes persistence and consistency. It's very interesting what you're saying that you're training the dog in its own environment, in its habitat, which kind of tells me that not only are you the behaviorist for the dog, you're also subtly a behaviorist for the owner. You're actually <laughs> behaving, you're, you're, you're manipulating the behavior of both of them. That's very, very interesting. I never knew that. 85% of training yeah. is training the owners. Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. It's training the owners. Wow, that's going on a t-shirt somewhere. It, it is. 85% <laughs> is, is training the owners. did not know that. Interesting. Michael, I have another interesting question. This is from Janine from Salt Lake City. <clears throat> she tells us that, excuse me, <clears throat> that she had recently got a, a very small dog uh, over during Christmas recently. And this dog is creating some problems for the home. And what she did was she brought it over to Petco, she said, and to see what could be done to help calm this dog's behavior. And she's telling us that all the guys would do at Petco was just walk the dog around, try to calm it down, but didn't really resolve the problem. So, Michael, what do you have as an answer to that okay, situation? So once again, we discussed before the difference between training and behavioral work. So from what I'm seeing here on her, on her email, she got a small dog for Christmas and she said the dog is showing some destructive behavior in the house. Mm. Um, and at Petco, they're just doing the basic walking in a circle in a group lesson. That's not going to solve the problem in any way, shape, or form. Okay? Taking a dog to – listen, Petco is a good place for socialization. Um, and, you know, they teach you to, to teach your dog to walk a little bit and to sit and stuff. But, again, when it comes to behavioral work, that's not going to fix the problem. It's just, it's just not going to help the problem at all. Um, what she needs to do is she needs to contact an in-home trainer, somebody who's a behavioral – you know, worker with animals and can come to her house and, you know, evaluate what's going on the dog. Now, this behavior she's discussing you know, is very common with puppies. And we all know mm. that puppies go through their phases. They go through their jumping, their nipping, their biting, their destruction. They all go through it. Um, it's like a baby. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, like a, it's like having a little... Test the envelope. Little test the little baby, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, in order to fix that, again, we have to set the dog up with behavioral work that's going to change his understanding of the home. We need him to understand that the home is not his home. Remember, dogs don't think the same way as humans. Mm. And if and if if people knew this, I'd be out of a job. <laughs> okay, dogs only can they can only think in one way, and that's pack formation. Okay. So we as humans, we can change our thought pattern. We can think the way a dog thinks. We can think the way any other animal thinks. Yeah. We're able to do that. We're able to alter our thinking. Dogs understand one way and one way only. And that's, you know, the way of pack formation. So in order for this dog to understand his place in the home, in order for this dog to, 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 to acclimate to living with people in a home, we have to teach him to do that. But in a way that the dog will understand or the puppy in this situation will understand. And we have training programs that do that. We have training programs that are catered specifically to altering puppies' behaviors and taking the negative behavior and focusing it into a positive way. And we've been very, very, very successful with it, thank God. And, you know, you just got to know that when you have these type of issues, you got to find the right person. It's like going to a foot doctor when you have an earache. It's, it's not going <laughs> to... Not appropriate. You know, it's not going to work. Not the best expertise. So that, that's, you know, it, it, I would recommend that she gives us a call 
and we can always guide her in the right direction. Michael, I have a question this time from myself, listening to your experience. <clears throat> have you ever received a request from a client to train the dog to do something perhaps a bit unusual or different? Have you ever come across that kind of experience? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we do get we do get requests sometimes for you know trainings that we don't do. The, the trainings we won't do, I don't do aggression training. You know, we live in New York City, and uh, there's just there's no need for anybody to have a dog that's taught to attack. Oh, you know? I see. We, okay. So we we don't <laughs> we won't teach security training. We don't teach anything okay. like that because if it's not trained, you know, if it, if it's not done for the right reason. It's just going to be an issue. And we get calls quite often. You know, people will call us and say, listen, you know, I have a pit bull or I have a Rottweiler and I wanted to, I want to teach him to be a security dog. Uh And my answer to that will be, he's already a security dog. What you need to teach that dog is to be gentle. You need to teach that dog to be loving. You need to teach that dog to be sweet because his natural instinct will be to protect his home and his natural instinct will be to protect his family. When you teach them to be overprotective, that's when we run into issues with, you know, at, well, I don't even know to tell you. You've seen it in the newspapers and, you know, you, you just don't need to teach them to do that. Hurting um, the neighbor, the dog has correct. to get it rounded you know, up. Especially in, we live in, like I said, we live in the city, Dennis. Right. We're in such close proximity to one another. Right. You know, it, it's just not the right thing to do. And so we will not teach any type of aggression or security training or anything like that. Um not to say that we haven't done that for security companies. Mm. And when I first started, you know, we used to train military dogs and stuff like that. But, you know, for, for someone living in, in the city to, to have a Rottweiler trained to attack on command is just, in my, in my humble <laughs> opinion, that's just, that's irresponsible. Okay. And I, that's training we won't do. The other training we don't do is I don't do stupid dog tricks. Okay. <laughs> I don't do roll over. I don't do anything. Like, roll the ball know, on the nose. Yeah, I don't do anything like that. You know, you pretend your gun hands a gun. You shoot him. He falls to the ground. I don't teach that stuff. Okay. We don't do any stupid dog tricks. Um, but what about any unusual requests you received? Any? Well, I mean, some sometimes we'll get calls for people that are you know wanna. I had one guy call me and he wanted me to teach the. Uh, he was actually from Upper Westchester. Okay. And. Uh, I guess he was having problems with raccoons and he wanted us to teach the dog to, you know, to, to hunt and attack the raccoon. I, I don't teach hunting and raccoon attacking either. I live okay. in the city. So, okay. but you know, those are the kind of requests we get that I find are the most, you know, strange requests. I've never had anything where I think that, uh, you know, it would be really bizarre type of training. Okay. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, listen, there's something calls coming every day, so <laughs> it's only a matter of time. You heard it here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's phone is open. <laughs> Michael, another question from one of our audience, Carol from Massachusetts, is asking us that she had hired a trainer for her dog recently, but she's telling us that everything the trainer is telling her seems to contradict the advice she's reading online doesn't seem to match up to the best practices she thought were being shared across the internet. So what is your response to that? Uh, okay. So this is, this are, I'm glad that someone asked that question. Thank you, Carol. Um, what you read online is 
is, is just generic. It's basic. Um, usually when you hire a professional, a pet professional, that pet professional is going to cater to your dog's specific needs. When you read something online, it's just a basic, uh, it's like summary of, of, a, of a training program that somebody would, you know, that could implement. But that doesn't mean that that training is going to be what your dog needs. So I would definitely tell, tell anybody, if you're going to hire somebody, make sure you hire the right trainer, first of all. You know, check their credentials. The best way to hire somebody is to really talk to them. Find out what they know. You know, press their brain. See if their answers are, you know, make sense. And if they sound like they know what they're talking about, because you don't, you don't want to just hire somebody who has, who took a six month course and has a certificate, <laughs> you know, you know, especially if it's becoming, you know, a behavioral issue that you need to deal with. So speak to the person, ask them, you know, what's your experience? What have you done? You know, check out reviews. You know, a lot of times they're reviews. I mean, you can't always go by reviews. We all know that because right. people put reviews up if they're not happy about anything. Right. But you can get a general consensus of what someone's basic knowledge is of their trade if you look at what you know people have written about them in the past and just by talking to them. So I would definitely recommend that if you're going to hire somebody to help you with your situation, don't read anything online. Follow what the professional says because you know if you've done your due diligence and you know you, you've checked the person out, then more than likely they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. And that's one thing I always tell my clients. If you're going to hire me to help you with your dog, please stop reading all this stuff online. Because, first of all, you don't know who's putting it up. You don't know what their experience is with animals. You know, and, and the, the bottom line is they don't know your specific dog's needs. And a pet professional that you hire is going, if they know what they're doing, they're going to come in and they're going to make sure they know exactly what your dog's needs are. And they're going to cater their, their training program to fit your dog's needs again. So, you, you know, I, I would definitely tell you to not read anything online if you're hiring somebody. <laughs> does that make sense? It does. It certainly does. Be careful what you read. As yes. the old caution Absolutely. that we've always been told. If it's on the internet, it's got to be true, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe not. Right. <laughs> Bottom line, maybe, same thing with medical advice. Right? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Exactly. Depends on you your know, situation. Dennis, you just raised a, a yeah. perfect, perfect point. Yeah. If you read, like, if you have like a sore on your finger and you read online, you're going down according to the internet. <laughs> it's all over. You got cancer. It yeah, says. then you go to your doctor and they give you like a little cream and it's gone in a day, you know. So definitely listen to your pet care professional. That's why they do this. That's what they're trained to do. And if you do your due diligence and you hire the right person, just follow what they say and you'll have success. Good. Sounds good advice. All right, Michael, I guess we can probably conclude this segment here for this podcast. And so once again, if you guys are interested in us discussing new topics, please go to our website. It's called cattyk9.com. So once again, C-A-T-T-Y-C-A-N-I-N-E.com, cattyk9.com. So there's a comment section there. So we encourage you to enter any questions you would like us to research or discuss for the future. And also, uh, from Michael's perspective, his yeah, um, if contact. You, if anybody ever has any questions or they just need any general advice, doesn't matter what part of the country you're from or if you're from another country, whatever, mm -hmm. you could always give us a call at 718-746-1979. Once again, it's Doggy Be Good, D-O-G-G-Y-B-E, 
G-O-O-D in Queens, New York. My name's Mike. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions for you. And again, if you have any topics, please get back to us. Let us know. We'd love to discuss your topic on air. And if you'd like to join us, you know, let us know and we'll, we'll, we'll get you into the conversation on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, folks. Goodbye. Until the next time. Bye-bye now. See you then. <laughs>